Welcome to the Gingsberg Podcast. After today's message, take a sec and download the Gingsberg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Gingsberg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step with your journey with Jesus. Hey everyone. Welcome to you and welcome to those worshiping with us online. I'm Pastor Dennis and today we bring down the curtain on our current teaching series, Tough Questions, Hot Topics of Our Faith. We started this series way back at the beginning of September and for 7 weeks we've been looking at some of these questions. I want to thank you for tracking with us over these weeks and asking a lot of questions. We've raised more questions than we've given answers to, but I pray that we've grown together as a community of believers. If you missed any of the teachings, I want to invite you to go back into our website, into our YouTube channel and you can pick up all those teachings. Today, we're going to wrap things up by dealing with a question that's not often addressed in this church, and that is what will heaven be like? And I think the reason why it's not often addressed here, although it's addressed at funeral homes and at times of death, is because uh, we often try to focus on the present. Perhaps you've heard the saying they're so heavenly minded they're no earthly good and so some preachers are shy about always talking about the next life instead they take their time to focus on what's going on today and how God's moving today so although we don't often hear a lot of sermons on Sunday morning here about heaven What we need to know is that the early church talked a lot about it. Those early followers of Jesus often spoke of the next life. They were under persecution, heavy persecution, Roman persecution, and they longed for another life and they said, "Oh Lord, come save us, deliver us. Come quickly, Lord Jesus." One of those followers is the apostle Paul who spoke often about heaven. In fact, if you have your New Testament now, I'd like to invite you to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and I want to highlight verses 14, 16 and 18. These familiar words. The apostle Paul writes this. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Let me pause right here. We as Christ followers do not believe in reincarnation. We believe in resurrection. We believe that the dead in Christ do not stay dead, but are raised to be with him forever. Amen. We believe there's more to this life than living and dying. And as Christ came up out of the grave, we believe too in Christ on that great day that we are also raised to be here with God. And that's just God calling right now and that phone that's ringing to say <laughs> amen. Then the apostle Paul writes this. Therefore we do not lose heart. What does that mean? We do not get discouraged. We do not get down and out. Though outwardly we are wasting away yet inwardly 
we are being renewed day by day. So even though this physical body is decaying, is breaking down, inside we are being renewed. We are being reborn day by day. Then he says this, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And then wraps up this thought this way. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so what he is teaching here to the church at Corinth and to us is that we don't focus, we don't fix our eyes just on the here and now. We don't fix our eyes just on earthly things, on the temporal. All this is fading away. But we actually fix our eyes on what we can't see in the flesh, but yet is reality. Now, notice those followers of Jesus did that. Again, being under persecution, they longed for another life. They longed for a great day of redemption. And so they would pray, come, Jesus, come quickly. This has happened throughout history. Believers have cried out, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. During one of the darkest periods of American history, African-American slaves who had nothing to look forward to in their present situation longed for another life. They longed for heaven. So some of the great spirituals that have been given to the church today came out of that time of longing. Some of those great spirituals that you know. Here's one of those spirituals. Sweet Lord, sweet Jesus, coming for to carry me Jordan, and what did I see coming for to carry me home? A band of angels were coming after me, coming for to carry me home. Amen. So, what's the idea there? This is not home. This is not our ultimate home. We look forward to another day, another time, another place. We look forward to that day. But I think if we're honest, this hope of heaven, this longing to go home is not always with us here in the Miami Valley. It doesn't overly appeal to those living in suburbia, those living in a modern city, those living in Miami County or Montgomery County as strong as those early followers of Jesus or as the longing of those African-American slaves of the 19th century. If we're really honest, it's not as appealing to many of us who are not living in 
difficult situations. Oh, yes, I mean, we complain about this life, right? We complain about the economy. We complain about inflation. Woe is me. We complain about the government. We complain about the president. We complain about Congress. We complain about Washington, D.C. or here at home. We also know of terrible things that are happening halfway around the world through modern technology. We can sit in our comfortable homes with air conditioning and heat, and we can watch images on little screens that are happening around the world of human suffering, and we think about wars and rumors of wars, and they're horrific, especially over the last couple of weeks as we are appalled as we see what's going on in Israel and in the Middle East and in Palestine today. And our hearts are heavy with all of that, absolutely, because we live in a broken, messed up world. But let's be honest, folks. For most of us here, we live pretty comfortable lives right now. Most of us don't live in poverty, at least poverty in world standards. In fact, most of us live in affluence. We had something to eat yesterday. We're planning on something to eat today. In fact, the challenge for us here today is not am I going to eat today like so many others in this world. It's where am I going to eat today? (laughs) Most of us or all of us listening to this message had a roof over our head last night. We'll have shelter tonight. And so for most of us, the appeal of another life is not as great as it is for some people because we live in comfort. So when we think about heaven, let's be honest, it sounds a little boring. I mean, what are we going to do, pastor? I can't imagine spending all of eternity floating on clouds, ho-hum, playing harps, or maybe even drinking pina coladas. Well, that might appeal to some people who like that, right? Well, let me introduce you to two individuals that are very special to my wife and I. (laughs) And they are our two house cats. Yes, I just surrendered my man card by telling you that, but I'll go ahead and share that. Lily, who's kind of standing up, and Smoofy. I didn't name Smoofy, by the way. That was my wife. They are 10 and 11 years old. Now, I love that picture. That's looking out our front window when we lived in Columbus a few years ago. They're checking out the birds Those cats, they know what they know. They've never really been outside of the house. They're house cats other than go to the vet. And so they know the world inside the house. And they know of an outside world through the window of what they can see. And as humans, we often wonder how much can they really know (laughs) How much do they understand? Certainly their understanding is very limited. They know what they know, but they don't know what they don't know. (laughs) They don't know of life beyond the glass. 
There's a whole world out there, but they don't know it. Now, this is obvious. We tend never to really think about things like this because we just take it for granted. But think about those animals. You have animals perhaps as well. For those animals, they do not know that this big building right here exists. They do not know that Ginsburg exists. They know that their owners, their parents left this morning, but they know they'll be back because they always come back. They don't know that you exist. They only know my wife, they know me, and they know that once in a while strangers come in our house and they hide under the bed. Their life is limited, but they see a limited world only to the next trees or to the next house of a world beyond the glass. Do you get where I'm going here? Sisters and brothers, you were created for something more. We were created for something more. We were created for life beyond the glass. There's a whole world out there. We know what we know, but we don't know what we don't know. And the Apostle Paul spoke to this in writing to the church at Corinth, where he says in chapter 2, verse 9, 1 Corinthians 1, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, I love this, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. What an awesome verse. We have no, we know what we know, but we don't know what we don't know. But there's a whole world beyond the glass, amen, out there. Now, for many of us reading that, we say, okay, well, you can never know what the full picture is. But that's not true according to the scripture. The scripture doesn't stop. At verse 9. Look at verse 10. Paul completes the thought by saying, Yes, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has conceived. Look at verse 10. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit, right? Meaning, God the Holy Spirit has revealed scriptures primarily through the Word of God. For us to get a glimpse, we know what we know, but we don't know what we don't know, but we can get glimpses of glory, of this life in a full picture of what it really means, that life is not temporal, but it's eternal, and we focus not simply on what we can see, right church, but what is unseen. So today, for a little fun, we've been kind of heavy the last seven weeks, and thank you for being with us. We've raised more questions than answers, and that's okay. I think sometimes we learn more in questions than we do answers anyway. But today, I thought we'd have a little fun, probably raise a lot of questions, but it'll get you talking in small groups and in Bible studies on going deeper as Bereans in the Bible who looked in God's Word to see if it was correct. I want to highlight just three main things I think that we can know a little bit about heaven. Why three? Just because I wanted to put three down. I could say 10 things, okay? But we'll do three today. First of all, heaven will be a place of love and relationships. Heaven will be a place of community. It'll be a place of worship. It'll be a place of closeness. 
Now, a lot of questions come up. So, so other people around us, will we know who they are? I believe we will. I believe we'll know each other. How are we going to recognize each other? I don't know that. But in Matthew chapter 17, we see that Jesus, when he led the disciples to the Mount Transfiguration that we call it now, they had before them Moses and Elijah. And somehow they knew it was them. Now, they had never seen him before. They didn't have a digital picture of them. They lived before their time. But they were able to recognize them and know that it was them. Heaven's going to be a place of reunions, of being together. Now, our relationships in heaven will be different than they are on earth. But I actually think they'll be fuller. I think that there'll be more life. And we can't fully grasp what those loving relationships, you may be thinking, well, there are people I know that are in Christ that are saved, but you know, I'm not too sure that I want to see them in heaven. <laughs> Let's be honest now. <laughs> well, I want you to consider this. They will be sanctified, as Wesley called it, completely sanctified in heaven through Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be as well. So they won't have the capacity to irritate you as much as they do now. And you'll see another loved one through the lens of love. Some of you have lost loved ones over the past year, in the past few days. The good news of our faith is that death is not God's final word. Every time that I stand before a casket, and I've done that dozens of times in 30 years of being a pastor, I always present hope because Jesus is our hope. There's more to life than living and dying, friends. There's hope beyond this moment, and there's hope for each of us. That's just the beginning, the doorway to life forever. Although the church sometimes on Sunday morning doesn't talk a lot about heaven, I want to say every funeral I've ever been at, people want to know about it, right? <laughs> because it speaks to their very need. Some of you are going through a very difficult time right now. You've lost a loved one. I want to encourage you not to live life in isolation. I want to encourage you to, to team up with people, share life together. We here at this church believe that um, faith is lived out together. No person is an island. Some of you need to talk to someone, share in grief. And we have a ministry here called Grief Share, where people come together and they lean on one another and they pray with one another and they encourage one another. And if you're in that situation, and I know that those who are listening to my voice, there are many, I want to encourage you to connect with that ministry. Perhaps call the church office, talk to Pastor Sarah. We'd be happy to tell you more about that ministry and other ministries to get you connected. So heaven will be a place of closeness and community, love and relationships. It'll also be a place of intellectual growth and discovery. I think sometimes we assume that when we get to heaven that we're going to know everything, and that's not true because if we knew everything, we would be God, <laughs> right? It'll be a place where we continue to learn and to be stretched and to, to grow. Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 
says this, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might, now get this, show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. That word show is very important. Underline that in your mind. It reveals a progressive ongoing discovery that we will learn more and more about life. There are many, many unanswered questions that we have. And I admit that today as I stand here. We have a limited understanding of the next life. And so I think it's going to be a time and season where we'll continue to learn and grow. Perhaps we'll learn about how we interacted with angels. You know, the Bible talks about entertaining angels unaware. Wouldn't it be cool to sit down with Michael the archangel and to talk and say, you know that time you were going through a lot of stress or this event happened? You actually were helped by spiritual things that happen. Now, we're not going to turn into angels. I want to speak to that real quick. That's a myth in our society. That's a false teaching. Angels are different beings than us as humans. The Bible actually says that we're going to govern angels in one part of Paul's teaching. And so somehow we'll have authority over angels in this life. I don't fully understand that. But we'll learn about that in heaven. It'll be a place of discovery. I can't imagine if this universe has continued to expand that there's not more to discover and I want to do it on a Harley-Davidson motorcycle. <laughs> but praise God, in that age, it's not going to break down or leak oil. Amen? <laughs> I think we'll have jobs in heaven. We'll have work to do. Now, there'll be some jobs that won't be in heaven, like funeral directors and dentists. Now, the dentist will be there. Don't misunderstand. It's just they'll be working another job, right? The Rocky Mountains, the Grand Canyon... Niagara Falls, Great Barrier Reef, for all a sneak preview of what awaits as the Bible describes a place of rivers and fruit and trees. There'll be animals in heaven. Thanks be to God. And so it's going to be much more than just harp playing and drinking cool beverages and sitting around twiddling our thumbs. There'll be worship in heaven. Great worship. Every tribe, every tongue, I can't imagine what that'll be like in heaven. And finally, friends, and there are many, many more, but let me just highlight this. Heaven will be a place of great joy and discovery and happiness. It'll be a place of great laughter and love. Jesus, in speaking about the separation of the sheep and the goats and the judgment, said, the kingdom of heaven will be like two masters. This is Matthew chapter 25, who replies, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Matthew chapter 25, 23. Sometimes the Bible would run out of words to describe what heaven would be like, and so it would flip the script and it would say what heaven's not going to be like and so we can understand what heaven will be like. And that's what the book of Revelation does towards the end. In Revelation chapter 
21, we read words written to a persecuted church. Now, many of us view Revelation incorrectly. We think that it only applies to us. But actually, we are the second audience of Revelation. John received the vision of the Lord Jesus Christ while he was imprisoned on the island of Patmos. Historians say around 90 AD. And it was a message from Jesus Christ to churches of that day who were under the persecution of Rome. Seven churches in modern-day Turkey, which was the region of Asia Minor. And these were hard words. Some of these words were words of repentance and call to action, and others were simply words of comfort. But the overall theme of Revelation is not doom and gloom, friends, if you understand it and read it in its original context. The purpose of Revelation is hope, that we can have hope in God and purpose. At the end of Revelation, it says this, God himself, Revelation chapter 21, verses three and four, will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So when I read that, there's some assumptions there. It says the old order of things will be gone. That means the new order will come. And so if we look at that, it's saying here that these things today, they're fleeing, they're passing. All this pain, all this suffering will be no more. There's a new day that's coming. At the turn of the 20th century, there was a belief, a little over 100 years ago, that was taught in many more progressive liberal seminaries that the world was getting better. That if we just pull together, if we just educate the world enough, that people will come together, that the world will get better and better and better and will usher in the kingdom. This was not some obscure teaching. This was a teaching that became the dominant view in many of our leading mainline seminaries that have carried over today. And by the way, now I've stopped preaching and I'm going to meddling. <laughs> they said, if we just work together, which we should, if we just do the right things and we really work hard, which we should, if we just circle and sing kumbaya, if we just sing I like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony that it's guaranteed the world will get better. This was at the beginning of the 20th century. And then what happened? World War II broke out. And they realized, wait a minute here, the world is broken. But then they said, that was the war to end all wars. It'll never happen again. We've learned and we've moved on from that. And then the Second World War came. And then several wars came and wars you've never heard about started popping up. There has been more killing, more destruction 
in the 20th century, our last century, than any other time in human history. And friends, we need to be students of history. The world is not just on its own getting better and better. When we work together, our worlds can get better. That we can bring light in the darkness. We're called to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. That's the call of every believer to usher Jesus into a situation to bring life. But the truth is that on our own, this world is broken. We've seen that the last two weeks. And we speak against evil. We come against all principalities and powers of the devil. In Jesus' name, will someone speak to evil? We pray for innocent people around the world, innocent Palestinians, innocent Israelis, but we speak against the evil terrorism of of Hamas. And I'm not afraid to speak out loud because that is just wrong. We come against that in the name of Jesus today and say there's certain things that are wrong. The, The church can never lose its moral authority, not to spear more hate, but to come in the name of the Prince of Peace to say there's a better way for us as we come together. In the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace is the answer. We're not the answer on our own. In our own work, we look to Jesus for a better day that's ahead. The Apostle Paul said that we not look at the things that we've seen, but the things that are unseen that'll last forever. And so the Apostle Paul is talking about that. He's talking to a persecuted church. He's talking to a church in the midst of a hard time that's not getting better. Many of these people, it would never get better. Many of these people were martyrs of the first century. There could be harder times that are ahead for all of us. And he's saying, don't lose hope. He's saying God himself will be with them. And he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. You see, some of you live in physical, let's get personal. Some of you live in pain every day. You live in suffering every day. Heaven will be pain-free for you. It'll be arthritis-free. It'll be cancer-free for you. No dentures. No counting fat grams. No insure. Our brothers and sisters who are deaf will be able to hear again. They'll be able to hear children's laughter again. They'll be able to hear music again. Things that many of us take for granted, other people don't, but they'll be able to experience again. Our family members who have to use Walkers, like my father, or wheelchairs. They'll be able to walk again on their own. I was talking to my dad in a nursing home last week. He said, someday I'm going to run again. Someday I'm going to dance again. What a day. I can't wait for that. That's not now. I've got to be honest with that. This world is broken. 
I'm not living in some fairy tale land. That's going to get better with my dad. I know it's progressively getting worse. I know that people in our church family are dying in this life. That's the reality that we live. Let's not live in denial. Some of you have family members like that. Some of you live with emotional scars every day. You live with pain every day. You live with the memory of abuse, emotional abuse. You can't get rid of it. Some of you have been abandoned in your marriage. Some of you were betrayed. You were cheated on. Heaven will make all things right. None of that will be in heaven. In heaven, there'll be no anxious waiting rooms, no bloated stomachs, no empty tissue boxes, no tear-stained divorce papers. In heaven, there'll be no motionless ultrasounds, no tiny caskets. In heaven, God will wipe away every tear from our eye. I want you to think about, it's those same hands that carved the mountains, amen? The same fingers that reached up from a manger in Bethlehem's stable. It'll be the same hands that touched the blind man to make him see again. It's the same hands that received nails onto a cross where blood was shed that you might be forgiven and healed. The Bible says he's going to wipe away every tear. What a day it'll be. (laughs) See, all of us are going to die someday. That's not a scare tactic. It's just reality. You don't think you're going to die. You're going to die. I've said it here before. They're going to put you in the ground. They're going to throw dirt in your face. And those of us who are living are all going to go back to the church and eat potato salad. That's the way it's going to be. That's not what's important. Whether it's five years old that we die or 105, we're going to die someday. But John Wesley said, I'm in heaven today. It's got its limitations in this life. But peace has invaded my life. Hope has invaded my life in Jesus. Salvation has invaded my life. Heaven has entered my world, my hell, and given me hope. We're all going to die someday. I remember the 95-year-old was getting up there, all their friends had died. He said, I better die soon because some of my friends will start thinking up there in heaven I didn't make it. It's been a heavy sermon, I thought. I didn't realize we were going to get some of this, see? I got to stick to my notes. What I want to say for all of us as we wrap things up, I'm ready to go home, aren't you? Don't miss it. Don't miss being in heaven today. There's hope. There's good news for all of us. While we're here, let's be peacemakers. Let's bring the peace of Prince of Peace into the situation. Let's pray for peace in the Middle East. Let's pray for the innocent. Let's work to peace. Let's work for the kingdom. 
but let's know that whatever we're going through, this is not the end of the story, amen? There's more beyond the glass. There's a whole world out there. Lord Jesus, I thank you and praise you for this day that you've given to us. And I thank you for the hope of heaven. We come against evil in Jesus' name and we're not ashamed of this church to name it. But then we see the evil in our own life, Lord. We ask you'll forgive us. We thank you that through your work on the cross, we're healed and forgiven and made whole. We repent of our own sins, Lord, and place them on you. And we arise in heaven today, in heaven forever. We ask God for those who are struggling with the loss of a loved one, that you'll be closer than a friend and brother. You will bless them today and walk with them. We pray, Lord, we'll come out of this place with the assurance of faith as we work in the kingdom for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you would like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Gingosburg app or online at gingosburg.org.